Hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday! Welcome to the weekly show of Classroom Without Walls. My name is I. I am the CEO of Classroom Without Walls and the host of this weekly live streaming show. You can also listen to us on the traditional audio-only podcast. Just search Classroom Without Walls. On this show, I interview leading social media, digital marketers, entrepreneurs, business leaders, content creators to come here and share with us their best practices so that you and I we can future-proof our businesses. And today, I'm really excited to have Alexandra Marshall on the show to talk about one of my favorite topics. A topic that I feel like I'm learning all the time, but I'm not so good at it, which is SEO. So we are going to talk about how we can rank our content as high as possible on Google. Isn't that everyone's dream? And we're also going to talk about some SEO best practices. I'm really excited. Alexandra, she is a social media marketing expert, and she's the president at SEO.com. I just love the name of your company. It's so cool. And her company and uh, has worked with quite a few household brands such as Dell, Hotels.com, Mary Kay, and many others. So in today's interview, we're going to, of course, talk about SEO and what are the essential key ingredients that you must pay attention to if you really want to have your content rank high on Google. And what are some of the trends that marketers and content creators and entrepreneurs, business owners that we have to pay attention to when it comes to SEO. And also we're going to spend some time to talk about video SEO. And video is kind of something I love. And over the last several years, video, you know, live streaming right now and has become really popular. So how is video SEO different from the traditional written content SEO? So we have so much to talk about, super excited. And as always, a big shout out to StreamYard for being a sponsor of Classroom Without Wars. Over the last several years, I have tried so many different third-party tools to go live. StreamYard is my favorite. So in the comment section, there's a link for you to check out StreamYard for free for two weeks. Check it out and let me know if you have any questions. We are live on Amazon Live. We're live on LinkedIn Live, on YouTube, on Twitch, on Twitter, and on Facebook. So let me know in the comment section where you guys join us live from, social media-wise and geographically speaking. Without any further ado, my friend Alexandra, welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. I. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm super excited to get to talk with you and uh, your listeners. So thank you for the introduction, and um, yeah, let's get started. Yeah, totally. I'm really excited. You and I, we, uh, we actually uh, initially connected through uh, my friend uh, Julia McCoy, a Skip the Degree, Save the Tuition. And we wrote your story in the book. So today you are such a successful social media digital marketer. You have your own company. You have worked with household brands. But you had a very interesting journey to get to where you are today. In fact, 
you started doing marketing when you were as young as 18 years old. That is remarkable. And you didn't go to college, which is why <laughs> I love your story so much more. So share with us, share your backstory with, uh, with us. So how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. I would like to clarify one thing. So I don't own SEO.com. We do have a founder who uh, set up the company a long time ago. That's how he actually got the great domain SEO.com. Um, I would not have had the foresight to do that or the money because <laughs> <laughs> domains can be quite expensive. So, uh, or at least the good especially for a domain like SEO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, and I'm also not an expert in social media. That is something I really love to get to know more, but um, unfortunately, I just haven't immerse myself in that. So SEO and the rest of digital marketing, like web design, are really where uh, I have more experience. And um, yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions you or your audience have. As far as my background, I first started uh, in marketing, not through digital marketing, but by being hired on to open a uh, store for Whole Foods Market uh, in Texas. And basically, I was kind of there at the right time and right place and willing to apply myself uh, because they had this unique position open up where uh, it was poorly defined. <laughs> they, they basically said, we want someone to support marketing and administration and sell lots of healthy food. So you just get to go walk around the store, tell people about eating healthy. And essentially it ended up being a sales and marketing role, but you didn't have to have experience. So I found this like, it was a good opportunity to get experience um, first instead of going and studying or um, getting into like an internship. I actually got paid to learn marketing at that point. Um, after some layoffs at Whole Foods, after I'd been there around a year, uh, one of my clients hired me to help him run his marketing agency, which was really small. Uh, it was just to other people. So I had the customer service skills from working hands on with people in the store and marketing from uh, working under a great marketing team leader at Whole Foods, uh, who was actually the leader of the flagship store in Austin. So she had a lot of really great experience that inspired me to dive more into marketing. And I yeah. agree with Scott, Texas is a great place to be. I agree too. Like all of almost many of my friends are in Texas. I feel like I need to relocate. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing your backstory with us, uh, Alexandra. So clearly you have been like your specialty is in ICO and you have been in the space for quite a few years. And I want to ask you to share with us what are some key trends that you have observed over the last several years that you think content creators, entrepreneurs, marketers, business owners that we really, really have to pay attention to? Yeah, definitely. It is creating everything for the user. Uh, user mm -hmm. experience is more important on websites uh, than ever before because a lot of factors that go into SEO are not just, it's not, we're not in the days of keyword stuffing and putting white fake text mm -hmm. on the background of a website anymore. You want to do everything you're doing for your customer. So your customer spends more time on your site, more time reading your content and more time uh, finding what they need. Uh, you ultimately just want to be delivering value and serving them what they need.
Mm -hmm. That is such a great tip. And even though it may sound like simple to many people, I know when I started my business, when I started my journey, I was talking about everything that I am interested in, everything that I feel like I assumed that my customers, my audience will also be interested in. And after I failed my very first launch, and I quickly discovered what I wanted and what my audience wanted, totally different. Yeah. So share with us, uh, Alexandra, like, you know, how can we, you know, customer focus and really meet their needs? Like, what are some best practices when it comes to understanding what they really need? Like, not just our own ideas, our assumptions, but actually understanding them. Can you give us some tips? Absolutely. And what you said sums it up pretty well. A lot of things are quite simple. Like it's very mm -hmm. straightforward. Like it, it's really not genius advice to, uh, you know, create everything for the betterment of your customer's experience. But uh, really another simple, straightforward piece of advice is ask your customers. You need to get to know them and ask them uh, what they need. And then also use data to back it up. So you want to do uh, research around uh, what your customers are looking for. Mm -hmm. So you are talking about like doing like surveys, talking to our customers, and uh, like what are some like um, tactics that you have tried that works really well, like surveys, things like yeah. that. Yeah, surveys and uh, actually speaking with the customers. So you could you could have surveys, or I would do a combination of surveys or speaking with the customers, mm -hmm. and then also doing uh, some keyword research, uh, especially if you're starting to market online, um, that's really important. And then you want to make sure that the keyword uh, intent is there. So a kind of a good example of this is once I was at a uh, conference where Google was uh, had a representative talking and they said that this company, an IT company in Austin was so focused on um, you know, trying to rank for things like IT repair. They thought that their customers were, they thought their customers were looking for things like IT repair or computer repair, etc. And their main keyword turned out to be, "I hate my computer." <laughs> so <laughs> you have to think in your customer's mind because uh, a lot of the times, wow. again, while you're thinking about what your customer might search, it's better to ask the customers what they would search for, uh, or do research around it. Yeah, that's such a great tip. And going back to the story I shared uh, earlier, when I launched my very first program, I called my program uh, Entrepreneurship Immersion. Uh, it was such a, a, the program was good, but I definitely failed financially speaking. And, but later I, I was trying to launch the program again. I, I started to talk to my, to, to parents who are my target audience and discover that they are, they have no interest uh, in terms of if their children become entrepreneurs or not, but they are all interested in whether or not their children actually have real life skills. And then after I discovered that, I immediately changed lots of keywords, uh, even the name of my program, and program started to take off. So that is such a great tip. Thanks for sharing. Any other trends that you have observed besides this like focus on like customers? Um. Well, I guess it's also the importance of design. So if you you don't want to just look at SEO, like I need more backlinks, <laughs> you need to look at your site as in, um, okay, 
is the design doing something to keep more people on the page? Is the content helping people get towards a goal? Are there calls to action uh, after the text and in the masthead? So you, you want to look at all of the different aspects of the website and make sure mm -hmm. it's all working together instead of just focusing on like one core thing. Uh, I mean, there are over 200 ranking factors in Google's algorithms. And I guess now they're also using things like AI. So um, it's not going to just focus on one or two metrics. So mm -hmm. you really want to make sure you're um, working uh, with a synergistic marketing campaign. Mm, I love it. I love it. And you already mentioned quite a few uh, key elements. We're definitely going to dive deeper into them. And uh, so before we do that, I want to ask you, are there any, because you have been in the space much longer than I do, and are there any like old ICO practices or misperceptions that you feel like it's time to just like not true anymore and we need to really, you know, trash can get rid of that thing? Yeah, yeah. One of them uh, which I see consistently is um, SEO companies focusing on providing a certain number of links mm -hmm. instead of a certain quality of links. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you get a handful of links that are really high authority or like, say, from a government site or a .edu site, it will be worth so much more than, um, you know, thousands of the other links that are of lower quality. So mm -hmm. we really always suggest to take a high quality over high quantity approach. Mm -hmm. And whenever we do audits for our clients, we see this uh, come up consistently too. We see uh, when we compare companies against their competitors, we'll often see uh, examples where a competitor is ranking higher, but they have less backlinks. And it's because they're focusing on higher quality instead of higher quantity. And I mean, who doesn't like to be more efficient? So why not mm -hmm. do that? There's yeah. one more thing that is uh, kind of important. It's something that's often overlooked, I find. I've had a lot of clients say, oh, this is very useful feedback. Don't uh, host your blog on a subdomain. You want it to be hosted on the main domain of your website. Uh, so that would be like, I don't know, dreyesbook.com uh, instead of book.dreyesbook.com uh, because oh. the subdomain never transfers the authority to the main domain. So you could be hosting all of your content on a subdomain and all of the authority, all of the good stuff you're building up with that content is just sitting there. <laughs> so you want it to always be on the main domain. So mm -hmm. you're getting all of the authority and all of the clout with Google there. Wow, that is such a great tip. I'm definitely going to check mine. And speaking of domain, uh, I don't know if this is still the case. It used to be, it maybe used to be that we think that like SEO is such a powerful domain. So when you have a domain like that, really, really powerful, it means that you are more likely to rank on Google. Is mm -hmm. that Okay, <laughs> that did change quite a while ago. I think over five years ago, maybe it was made something like 2015 or something like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, basically, it will help in that there's a domain name bias, as in when people. It's there's a big study from Microsoft on this, where when people search for, say, 
I don't know, Dog Park, uh, if they saw dogpark.com, it would be a lot mm-hmm. more relevant to them seeming than uh, Delilah's dogpark.com because it's just more to the point. Uh, it's mm-hmm. more of a an exact match. So mm-hmm. exact match domains are good uh, because people will will see exactly what they're looking for and have mm-hmm. a mental bias towards it. But as far as search engines are concerned, they don't factor that into uh, the algorithm at all anymore because then it would just be a matter of someone buying the right domain name and That's ranking right. at the top. And basically Google just wants you or search engines want you to find the most relevant and authoritative mm-hmm. uh, link and information. So you don't want to end up on a result where sure, maybe it's the most relevant because it's named the right thing, but uh, the results inside aren't very valuable. So they also want to look at like who has the best content. Yeah, I think it really boils down to like content, right? Like content matters, not just like, like, so that gives me some uh, relief because I feel like I don't really have the budget to purchase the most expensive domain name. Yeah. So and rather. And I think what's more important with a domain name is how brandable it is. Is mm-hmm. uh, it's something that people will remember? Is it something that is easy to say and not misspell? Um, so those are more important than necessarily having a dictionary word domain. I love it. I love it. And I love this comment from Michael. Thank you for joining us live. I feel like he shared that, you know, we all made the mistake. We started with keywords that we think are really important, but actually not that successful. Like It is not something that the customer uses on a regular basis. Uh, really interesting. We're definitely going to talk about keywords because I have so many questions about it. But before we dive there, as we're talking about domain authority, I want to share my screen for a second. And um, I want to ask you, Alexandro, so when it comes to uh, domain authority, uh, forgive me if this is a stupid question because I really don't know much about SEO. So what are some of the, the key factors that really help us like, you know, have a higher domain authority. It is so interesting. Like when you look at my website, classroom without walls, that's my brand. Mm-hmm. The domain authority is pretty low. It's like 17. But when I look at my, my YouTube channel, like classroom without walls, it's like a hundred. So that's the authority associated with YouTube right now. Exactly about my channel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so with YouTube, and other platforms, you could think of it like say with Wikipedia or Yelp or Yellow Mm -hmm. Pages, some of those very big sites, they'll have a very high domain authority because Mm -hmm. Google trusts them, everyone uses, they're like, it's not like, you know, an individual site, it's just something that's kind of uh, been tested and tried with Google or Mm -hmm. other search engines. So for you, it would be, uh, or really anyone with a lower domain authority, you do want to build up uh, one the content you're posting and Mm -hmm. to the backlinks. Um, So, I mean, it's again, not as straightforward as just get backlinks. (laughs) You want a good strategy in place for that. So that could be like, in your case, maybe you'll find um, other websites that you could get guest posts on yeah, yeah. Um, or they could feature you on and you want to get other sites to with better domain authority to link to your site so, yeah like interviews I did yeah. an interview you with just, like 
Pearson Education, so they need to backlink yes. to my website, right? <laughs> they do, yeah. yeah, because that will help a lot. So it's like if you go to really trustworthy sources or sites that you can be featured mm -hmm. on and get a link uh, there, that will be really useful. Yeah, that is uh, that is a great tip. I will make sure because I did do quite a few interviews, you know, like Forbes, Pearson Education, all those places. But I don't think anyone linked back to my website. I don't know a why. A lot of them won't, and then a lot of them won't do. They'll do no follow links, so maybe it will mm. be a link that won't be crawled. So that's why uh, working with an SEO company is good because they can find the right sources for links um, that will well published content linking back to you. Yeah, yeah. So here's a, a, a question from Michael. Is this an area where it makes more sense to hire an expert instead of trying to do it, you know, by ourselves? I, I think you kind of just answer. Maybe you can elaborate more. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, again, it depends on your budget and what you feel your time is worth. I generally would say uh, it's better to have an expert do it because it can be quite a lengthy or time-consuming process. So mm -hmm. if you're limited on time and you have to do a lot of research to just figure out how to do it, I would probably suggest going with an expert because mm -hmm. you also, I, I mean, you also though want to be careful about who you hire uh, because they could get toxic links for your portfolio and you could end up getting toxic links if you're not quite sure what to do. And that can actually hurt your domain authority instead of improve it. Can so one part of our more? process, Sorry. yeah. So there are there are toxic links, so bad backlinks that you can get. Mm -hmm. um, and essentially, sometimes we'll have clients come in where we notice uh, there's a lot of links that have maybe a very low score that are actually uh, bringing their domain authority down. So mm -hmm. we'll end up removing links instead mm -hmm. of you know, keeping them and just adding more, just by removing them, sometimes we can make a difference in someone's domain authority. Mm -hmm. That is so, uh, that is so interesting. That is so interesting. I feel like, yeah, with Google SEO, there are probably lots, many people have hacked the system, kind of like bad practices to have that like short, like not long-term win, but like short-term win, but long-term yeah. speaking, it's really hurting your overall authority. So we need to avoid that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if our goal is to really rank high on Google, like from your experience and how, maybe this is, again, is not a good question. So how long will it take for a brand or like for a piece of content to kind of, you know, if they work with a professional to run, to show up maybe even on the first page or on Google? Well, we generally say it takes four to six months, but it isn't a process of ranking one piece of content on Google. Mm -hmm. It's a process of, in your case, if we worked with you on just ranking one piece of content, I don't think we would get anywhere, right? We'd mm -hmm. need to raise your domain authority and uh, do quite a lot of other work on site to mm -hmm. uh, get that to rank because Google won't base the uh, ranking of a piece of content just on the optimizations of the content, mm. the whole site is kind of taken into consideration too. Mm. So if say your uh, website has a domain authority of 17 and you publish a really great piece of content, uh, it won't end up being seen as much if you aren't optimizing the rest of the site too to increase mm. the domain authority and increase 
kind of the whole site's caught with Google. So you can't really go one piece of content at a time. Having more content and optimized content always helps, but you need to start off with a good foundation, like a really well-optimized site before you go to uh, optimize or think about ranking individual pieces of content. Yeah, it's such a great tip. And I actually have some question related to this, uh, which really um, makes uh, lots of sense. And the, the I think for me, the problem right now is that like many of my many pieces of my own content is actually on social media. So I need to like, you know, even my blog article, I actually blog um, on Medium. So like, do you recommend that we actually publish our original like blogs on our own website as opposed to like on a site like Medium, right? Yes. Uh, if you're trying to build up the SEO on your own website, you'd want to do that and then sort of um, put, what's it called? For some reason, I can't remember the name. Uh, a, uh, a canonical tag. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're saying um, this is the original content to Google mm -hmm. when you put a specific tag on that piece of content. So, I mean, it's a really common thing. Like a lot of big publishers, uh, a lot of larger websites will um, have, you know, lots of social media accounts uh, where they're posting similar messaging to each other. Basically, you'd, you'd want to have a well-synchronized content calendar where you're mm -hmm. uh, publishing across all platforms. So say if you put out a piece of content on your blog, you want to have a similar version of that to post on Instagram, Facebook, Medium, LinkedIn, all of the other kind of channels mm -hmm. which you're promoting it. But you'd want to still use your main website especially if you're trying to rank your main website, use mm. that kind of piece of content as the original and like pillar piece. Um, and then map all of the rest of your promotional channels around that. Yeah, so now I'm kind of doing the opposite. I prioritize all the other promotional channels like, you know, LinkedIn, right. Facebook, and Medium, and then my own website, I just sometimes I just copy and paste. So I need to like flip that, right? To, to prioritize my own website if I want to really, I need to increase the authority. So when the authority domain authority is higher, which means that when people are actually searching for your company, your company is a lot more likely to show up, right? I suppose 17 is probably page yeah. 100. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you won't reach 100. <laughs> that is a huge goal. Um, we mostly will see people like, I guess it, it depends on what you're trying to rank for, of course, and, you know, what competition looks like and what you're trying to rank for. But often we see uh, clients come in with a domain authority of around 30 to 40, and mm -hmm. then we want to try to increase it to something like 60. So mm -hmm. we'll make kind of tangible goals, but it depends on every client because we often will get, say, startups or companies that are rebranding and starting with a brand new website with a domain authority of zero. 15 or 17 is a lot better than zero. So mm. it's not like you, you haven't made any headway, right? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah. So like already so much great information, Alexandra. Thank you for sharing. So I want to, you know, list uh, on your website, uh, when you were talking about ICO, you actually listed a few really important key factors that have to be in place in order to rank high on, on Google. And uh, I want to go back to what you mentioned earlier, keyword. I think keyword, like at least before I started to educate myself regarding ICO, 
I thought keyword was the only thing that I need to pay attention to, right? As you said earlier, it's a bad practice. I just wanted to make sure in my entire article, I was using all the keywords. So can you please share with us why using keyword is so important? And what are some best practices regarding using keyword in 2021? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, keywords are very important because those are, you can think of it as the words people use to find you. So if you think mm -hmm. of it in that regard, you'll want to look at like, um, uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, the intent. So say if you are a dog food company and you really want to rank high and get customers for your dog food, it wouldn't make sense just to rank for dogs or even dog food, unless you have a very big budget. <laughs> um, if you say are like an organic dog food or like, I don't know, organic, I don't know. You, you, can, you can kind of put more modifiers to the keywords to make it very much more specific. Maybe it'll have less volume, but mm. it will also bring you uh, customers who are closer to converting. So mm. someone who looks up dog food could also just be researching, um, you know, I, I guess maybe they're a new dog owner and they don't know uh, the basics about dog food, like what should my dog food include, etc. Mm. But if you had a keyword or like a keyword with lots of modifiers, like organic uh, free range dog food, um, mm. that person knows exactly what they're looking for. And they're a lot closer to buying because they're looking for a specific product. Yeah. Um, and it's even the same with services. So it's like with our company, we don't rank for SEO because it just doesn't make sense for us to put all of the effort into ranking for SEO. That's mostly mm -hmm. people who don't know what it is and are researching. They're at like a researching oh, phase yeah. instead of a buying phase. When they look up professional SEO company, they're looking for someone to work with. So we want mm -hmm. to be right there at the top. Yeah. So you are saying that's such a great uh, piece of information. So the more specific, kind of the buyer's journey, right? The more specific terms that people are using to do to conduct the search, the more ready. Yeah. Like for me, when I was searching for ICO and even to get prepared for this interview, I wasn't really specifically searching for a company to hire, but I was mainly for searching for educational content yeah. yeah yeah so it's like putting instead of just looking at search volumes and going after the highest search volume uh terms it's or even like the lowest hanging fruit you you just want to be somewhere in the middle where you mm. uh kind of have tangible goals and it, they're uh keywords that will bring you results mm. Yeah, yeah. So like, what are your favorite tools when it comes to like keyword search? What do you use? Yeah, so we use um, SEMrush. And I believe mm -hmm. it's like, rated, it's rated one of the best. And it's uh, really good. I don't personally do a lot of keyword research. So that's more a, um, a question for my team. But uh, yeah, we always use SEMrush. We use quite a lot of tools like Moz and AREFs and et cetera. But for keyword research, we use SEMrush. 
Yeah. And I actually, I'm embarrassed. I'm a, actually a brand ambassador for SEM Rush, but my understanding of SEM Rush is very limited. But I did use their keyword search. You look at like keyword difficulties, like search volume. It definitely makes a huge difference. Then just like writing, it is surprising to me how much like research that you have to conduct prior to actually writing a piece of content. And this is something I totally overlooked before I was educated on this topic. I thought, yeah, I just started writing. I was like, wow, we actually have to do so much research and to understand this. And speaking of research, another key element that you talked about on your website is uh, industry analysis. So talk to us why we have to do industry analysis. Why is this important? What is it about? Yeah, absolutely. So you really want to make sure that um, you're considering what your competitors are doing. So mm -hmm. say if uh, like in the SEO space, I will look at uh, other agencies and what they're doing online before formulating mm -hmm. my strategy. I'll look at like the types of content they're writing, what terms they're going after, how big their backlink portfolio is, uh, even where they get their backlinks from and see if I can get backlinks from their sources mm -hmm. as well. So there's a lot of kind of work that uh, goes into that. And we do uh, some of that pre-purchase too. If you're, if you're going to sign on with us for SEO, then we'll do research uh, on a competitive level to determine really how much effort is needed to even rank in mm -hmm. your industry. Because it could be like with insurance, uh, insurance is one of the most highly competitive fields you can get into and do SEO for because, well, there's just so many insurance agents. <laughs> so um, yeah. basically, you'll have to spend, I don't know, five, 10 times the amount of effort to rank someone for uh, insurance related terms, especially if they're in like a major metropolitan, than you would uh, kind of compared to an average account. But of course, there's always um, exceptions to this rule because mm -hmm. uh, we have an uh, insurance company on board with us that's got like an average spend for uh, our clientele and they're in bar and nightclub insurance in particular. And their kind of insurance industry isn't very competitive but if we look at most other insurance industries uh, or like sub industries, mm -hmm. <laughs> they're very competitive. So you yeah. you need to determine kind of what the competitors are doing and factor that into what you're doing too. Yeah, that's such a great tip. What I learned, you know, I I don't do much competitor or industry analysis, but I should. So what I did, what I do nowadays when I'm writing a blog article, for example, about homeschooling or alternative education, I will actually go to Google to look at the top three or maybe top five articles to see what they are talking about, you know, even look at their titles, the content they have covered. And then I do my own research to see that if I can do a better job than they, so I can cover something that they didn't cover. Do you think that's kind of a type of competitor or market yeah. industry analysis okay it is and actually that's something that it's kind of a little part of what we do to in mm -hmm. our competitive research we'll look at um the average length of content posted by your competitors that are ranking so say mm -hmm. uh, we'll look at like different terms 
what pieces of content are ranking one through five and then how long uh, they are, like how many words they are. Maybe it's like 500 words or maybe it's 2,000 words. If it's mm -hmm. 2,000 words on average for the first place, you know you're going to have to write a, a minimum of 2,000 words to get up there uh, mm -hmm. because otherwise you're just going to fall short and you won't make it. Absolutely. I mean, most people know, and I know this, that Google loves long form content. So it's kind of like 2000 is like the ideal number in terms well, of length or? Yes and no, because it, it depends. Uh, mm -hmm. One of my team members the other day gave a presentation and she was saying, uh, it depends is a very big band-aid or bandage yeah. in um, SEO because quite a lot of it depends. So it could be mm -hmm. that you're in uh, an industry or ranking for terms where uh, maybe we'll find there's an average of 800 words uh, on average for say position one. So mm -hmm. you might not have to write 2000 words. There's no mm -hmm. hard and fast rule. So, I mean, it could also be that maybe the person ranking at uh, number one just has a really high domain authority and that's why they're ranking. It's not the length of the content. So then you might have to outdo them with the length. But um, yeah, again, it depends. I wouldn't say that you have to stick to a certain word count. Yeah, and then just make again, sure it's long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, long you know, write a long article for the sake of writing a long article. But yeah, those are what you said earlier, quality, right? It's always about quality. Yeah. Right, like how much time people are actually spending on this piece of article, yeah. I really consuming the content, as opposed to like two seconds bounce back to the home, well, home page. And that's that's a very good point because if you write a two thousand word um, page, but it's not formatted very well, mm. and someone lands on it and they just see a wall of text and it's oh. just never ending text, no formatting, they're going to leave. If you have it really well formatted, even if it's like half the length or a quarter of the length, they could that user could still stay on for so much longer and you have a much lower bounce rate because mm. it's more easy to read, it's more digestible. They'll sit there actually reading it or going through it instead of saying, oh, I'm overwhelmed, I'm leaving. <laughs> that's so. right. And that, that's such a great point, Alexandra, because it is something that I had to unlearn like after I got my PhD, oh my gosh, <laughs> the way I was talking was like, like every article was like a dissertation, like chunks, mm -hmm. chunks of text. But now I learn from people like you, Julia McCoy, and reading like articles from Neil Patel. I was like, wow, they have like one sentence as a paragraph. Here's another <laughs> sentence. As, oh, sometimes one word, like, wow, you know, OMG as a paragraph. I was like, wow, that is such a great practice because it does make it easier for me. Yeah, to it breaks it up. Yeah, like spacing, formatting is so important. Like so many people don't do that because there are articles that even like in 2021, I raised like, even social media posts, like a long paragraph. I was like, who has the patience to read that, right? Most people are unfortunately kind of like skimming through content, right? Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's definitely a, a great tip to keep in mind. And also I love how you talked about, you know, ICO. When most people think about ICO, we're thinking about, you know, website, we're thinking about like keyword we discussed, but I love how you also combined ICO and actually website design 
that was something I wasn't really paying attention to. So why does website design actually matter when it comes to ranking high on Google? Can you explain that to us a little bit? Yeah, uh, definitely. So really, if you if you think about it, if you go to a website and it looks really old, uh, you're probably going to leave it if you're looking for new information. Like if I look for, say, uh, information on digital marketing um, and I go to a website that looks like it was made in 2010, I'm probably going to leave because the information won't be very pertinent or relevant mm -hmm. or recent. So there's a couple different aspects to it. And one of them is making sure that your website looks up to date, right? Um, because no one wants to visit an old website. Uh, the other part is if it's easier to use, you'll have more user engagement. People will scroll through the site, they'll find what they're looking for, and they'll convert. And Google Watches or Google and other search engines will watch these metrics like your on-page time and your click-through rate. So they'll look at, okay, is she going to the next page and the next page or clicking on a call mm -hmm. to action? Uh, like that, those are all signals that people are finding what they need. If users go to your site, maybe look for a couple of seconds and then leave, then that's, that's called bounce rate. And uh, if your bounce rate is high and people are leaving because they're not finding what they're looking for, then mm -hmm. again, Google or other search engines will not like your site. They won't, they won't give it as much uh, kind of clout or authority. Um, so basically, if you, again, design for the user, make sure users can access the site easily while not mm -hmm. sacrificing things like the amount of content on your page, then uh, you should do fine. Mm. Yeah, and how about, you know, I, I love, you know, you're talking about how much time people are spending on your website. So for me, like I already, I'm doing a one bad practice, which is when people come to my website, like under the tab of a blog, once they click on that, they will be redirected to, to Medium. And uh, like many of my live interviews are actually like YouTube links embedded on my website. So all of those things I'm doing, I'm kind of sending my audience like away from my website. Is that a bad signal to Google? Well, I guess, again, it depends. So if you have, say, um, your video content, if you put those into blog posts and then on those blog posts, you have um, kind of like a transcription or you create a blog post to go along with the video. So you're mm -hmm. getting a blog post and a video it will be a really good uh, piece of content and Google will like that a lot more. Um, okay. I mean, it's fine. You you do want to say, share your YouTube content on the website, but because Google can't uh, read your video, they have to rely on other metrics. And if you on your website have a blog post to go along with it, uh, it will be a lot more effective. Yeah. And then the the issue with say, just having your blogs uh, on, say, Medium or another uh, website is that, well, Google isn't going to give you the domain authority or any of the clout. Uh, it, it will just give kind of all of those good metrics back to mm -hmm. Medium or whatever other platform you're posting on. So you, if you bring it to uh, your website, you should uh, get a lot more benefit from it.
Yeah, I'm definitely. You, you give me some really great ideas to to read these, uh, like to re-strategize my content. So here's a great question from Scott, and he's asking, how can you decrease that bounce rate? I think he was talking about, you know, people are like, there are times, like, especially the title is like a hook, clickbait. I click on the title, I went to the article, it has nothing to do with the title, so I immediately came yeah. back. So like, how can you like decrease that bounce rate? I, like, what are some of the key factors that we can we should keep in mind? Yeah, well, again, it's really straightforward advice. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had more genius tips for you, but it's just make sure that whatever uh, you're creating is, again, made for the user and it's easy to read and engage mm -hmm. with. You basically want to make sure that whatever page you're creating or whatever blog you're creating, the user spends more time reading it. So that uh, would I guess be factored in like with the formatting, the design, if the site looks really good and has cool graphics that they can read and um, the content is really well broken down and it is true to the title of the piece of content mm -hmm. um, that you're uh, writing about, then you should uh, be decreasing the bounce rate. I, I, it, I love that. It is in cases where, say, if you click on the title and then the article is unrelated, that's a case where, yeah, you will have a higher bounce rate. So you want to make yeah. sure your content is relevant, authoritative, and well-written and formatted really well. Yeah, and you're like, like formatting, like authority and really thorough. Like some of my best for performing like written content is those that are really like thorough. Like I, I still remember this article I wrote a few years ago about live streaming, like different parties like different third-party tools that someone can use to go live. And the, the article is still bringing me traffic and subscriptions to my email because the article is super long. I compare StreamYard, BeLive, Ecamm, all the available third-party tools. It was it took me forever to write, but it is really, really thorough and uh, it definitely pays off for sure, for sure, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Scott has a follow-up question. What is an ideal time on each page if there is such an ideal time? There is no such ideal time other than more than zero, <laughs> more than three seconds. I mean, it, you want people to spend as much time on your page as possible, basically. Yeah, awesome. So we only have a few minutes left. And I definitely, because I know someone, and there are also uh, quite a few people in my audience, they are also interested in learning more about video SEO. And I know this is something quite new, And but I wonder if you can share with us, like when it comes to like, video SEO actually you shared on your website and you said that and it is 53% easier to actually rank a video than a website I was like wow that's such great news for me because I love video I don't really enjoy writing that much video is a lot easier for me to to produce so does that mean that we should only be doing like video content and or written content is kind of like outdated so explain that to us Right. So video content is definitely huge, but it is not going to replace written content because uh, really a lot of there's two different kinds of people, I guess, people who will watch things and people who will read things. And you want to uh, kind of work with both people. Uh, and one of the issues with videos is, um, well, YouTube or I guess uh, video search engines can't really read the content of your video. You have to tell mm -hmm. them exactly what is in your video. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they, they 
they can't rank it. So mm -hmm. uh, basically it's easier to rank a video on Google, um, easier than say a web page in the search results because uh, the, I guess there's more engagement. So if mm -hmm. someone does go to your video link and they actually watch the whole thing, if this is a 47, right now we've gone uh, 47 minutes talking, if they've watched this whole thing, that is quite a long uh, amount of dwell time, right? So if a user goes to your video and spends 30 seconds, just like with a web page, if that bounce rate is high, mm -hmm. where they click on it, they say, oh, this isn't useful uh, and leave, then, well, <laughs> it won't rank well because you want the most authoritative, uh, valuable information at the top of any search engine. Yeah. So when you say that we want to clearly communicate what the video is about, so are you talking about the title and the subscription, like those factors that we need to mention, like in the description, you know, Google owns YouTube. So I'm just using YouTube as an example. So in that like description box, we need to clearly like communicate what this video is about and also the title for the video. Is that what, what you were talking about? Yes, and there's something that a lot of people miss. There's uh, an option for transcriptions on your videos. So mm -hmm. when you're uploading a video, uh, you want to, like if we do video SEO, we always upload a transcription. So someone wow. on our team will sit there, listen to it, write out everything you're saying, and upload that to um, YouTube as well. So that way, Google can scan the content and wow. read everything that uh, you're saying, because otherwise they're just relying on, I mean, it's not like your your description is going to be very, very long. Hopefully you're not yeah, writing yeah, a yeah. book in uh, your description, but that's also where writing, say a blog post would be really useful because say if you mm -hmm. repurposed this video, you'd already written the transcription, you could take that content, repurpose it into a blog post, post that post on your site and embed the video. And that could become a really uh, good piece of content. Yeah, that's that's a great tip. I didn't even know, you know, you add your own transcription. So are you also saying that if we can combine like video content and the, the written content, that is kind of a, a better approach? Yeah, it's the ideal approach because then people can uh, visit your site, find, uh, you know, information if they're searching on Google, or on mm -hmm. YouTube, and you're really making your channel and your website work together. Yeah, I love that. Also, you know, going back to uh, this comment from Lance, he said that Twitter space enables audio dialogue with the customers in real time publicly, which also reminds me of, you know, there are some blog articles that like I read, not only they have the video, they have the written, they also have the audio. They give you like all those different options. And I think, I don't know, does Google consider like the audio component as a part of their algorithm that does it matter now or you don't know yet? Um, I think it would probably be, I mean, I guess audio may or may not have the same amount of dwell time as mm -hmm. a video. I think with videos, there's a lot of a lot more engagement, I guess, because you're sitting mm -hmm. there watching it with, um, uh, I guess, audio, you may not you might just listen to a bit of it and turn it off because it may not be as engaging. I guess it just depends on the kind of content. Yeah. I don't personally engage with it as much. So that might be biased. 
Um, I would say, I mean, it's good to have as many forms of content as possible, mm -hmm. but uh, video is um, increasingly important. Yeah, I personally, I do lots of video content. I just love video oh, content. Froze. Oh, did I? Am I moving now? Did I come back? Yes. You're back. Okay, good. Yeah. So I, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I love video content. I, I definitely love it. It is definitely more engaging. If I, someone gave me the choice to listen to a podcast or to watch them on video, I definitely watch them on video. I, cause it makes me feel more, uh, more connected to the human beings. And uh, so we have about only five minutes left. Uh, I definitely want to dive deeper into a little bit more into your own journey because you have such an incredible story. And that's why we feature you in this book. And so you didn't go to college to get a marketing degree and to do what you do today, but clearly you are very successful. You are very knowledgeable on the topic and you have a team of 10 plus people. So first off, congratulations on your success. Second, for the young people out there, you know, that's kind of the educator side of me. So if there are people out there who are interested in doing social media, marketing, ICO, kind of content creation on the business side, and what advice would you like to share with those young people? Do you recommend kind of the traditional path, go to school, get a degree, get a few degrees, or just like do what you do, like really immerse oneself into the industry and gain as much practical experience as possible? So which approach uh, do you recommend? Well, uh, I think I'm biased. Also, thank you so much for the congratulations. I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I'm biased. I would say, especially when I'm looking at hiring, I'm looking at the number of years of experience you have. Mm -hmm. And it's fine if you have, say, like internship experience or you were working while you were in college. But if you just have a degree and you haven't really been in the real world doing marketing, because marketing moves so fast, things have could have even changed since you uh, got your degree. So I would say... Um, really, you can start from the bottom and work your way up. Um, mm -hmm. It takes a while to get experience and to get uh, like, you know, a larger salary and larger, like just a larger portfolio. All of that will take time, but you want to start uh, as soon as you can building your portfolio or building up your experience. Yeah, I love like that. You have I to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, actually, Alexandra, you are not the first person who told me this. Uh, even our, our mutual friend, Julia McCoy, she even said something as radical as this. She said that college graduates with a writing degree or literature degree, they are not even hireable. <laughs> well, that is really, yeah. Yeah, it's a completely different writing style, the one you mm -hmm. learn in college uh, to the, the one that you use while you're creating marketing content. And especially in digital marketing, like you need mm -hmm. to be able to communicate easily with your audience on, um, you know, a variety of topics. I guess, um, oh, there was one more thing I was going to, oh, I, I would suggest if you can find boot camps or training mm -hmm. sessions and show that you've taken certifications from courses or, you know, done boot camps, if you can actually say afford to buy courses or attend workshops, I'm mm -hmm. sure there's free ones too. That is also very useful. You can find your own uh, I guess, resources and put that in your resume as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Have you ever hired like college graduates straight out of college 
discover that wow, they kind no, of like our um our hiring strategy is a little different. We hire people mostly with like four plus years of experience. So. Okay. I mean that's really good to know. I think you know for students. <clears throat> Many students they are so obsessed with getting that you know GPA, grade point average, how many A's, and you know graduate college. I think they should also pay at least an equal amount of attention to actually earn industry experiences and certifications, as you mentioned, because it is it is one thing to read a book, another thing to actually practice what you have learned from the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm just curious, when you guys are hiring besides experience, anything else that kind of like pops up, really you guys, oh wow. Yeah. We, we, I um, always tell people that your personality really makes a difference because you could have 10 plus years of experience and mm -hmm. a horrid personality and I'm definitely not going to hire you because of your personality. Mm -hmm. um, you, you need people to like you to get hired. I don't mm -hmm. know, I know you froze up a little bit. Uh, I, did you catch all of that? Yes, okay. I caught all of it, yeah. <laughs> Very clear to me on my end, yeah, yeah. Personality, kind of like, you know, soft skills reminds me of a study conducted by Harvard University and they said that 85% of a person's career achievement actually comes from soft skills. That is 85%. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, if you if you can't have a good productive conversation or, you know, be agreeable, I, I mean, mm -hmm. it's just, you need to work on your personal skills. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. Great. I know I can just chat with you forever. I know we're running already out of time. And uh, yes, I so agree. You are amazing. You rock, my friend. So share with Thank us. So yeah, share with us where can people learn more about you and from you. I have your LinkedIn here and any other social media channels you want people to check you out. Sure. So I'm just starting. I, it's been my goal for uh, so long, but I like two years since I first started uh, my work, basically... <laughs> Uh, I'm starting a new site called thatalexandra.com and I'm just posting uh, blogs on there. I haven't put anything up on there yet. Uh, basically, I'm just going to share tips on digital marketing, um, leadership, business strategy, and etc. So uh, it's something I've wanted to do over the past two years working with seo.com because uh, it's been quite a journey. Uh, and yeah, I'm just there to help share information. So uh, it's thatalexandra.com. Oh, that is so cool. Such a great idea. Hold on, sorry. Oh, I like your cat. <laughs> She's interested in learning more about ICO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great. I, I love this personal website idea. So you can really share more and uh, about your, your personal takes on these personal journey transformations. Uh, great. And this is your company's website, ICO.com, which is on the screen. Everyone definitely check them out. I read quite a few articles there. I, I enjoyed all the articles I read. So my friend, Alexandra, thank you so much for such an incredible and great conversation. I definitely learned a lot more about ICO, like video, SEO, all the other, all those important topics and tips. So thank you so much for your time. And uh, everyone in the live audience, you know, we have quite a few people joining us live today. So thank you so much for joining us live from all over the globe. 
And the next Wednesday, there's no um, no live interview on Wednesday for this show because I will be uh, I will be giving a talk at the time. So we are going to resume the show after next week. So I will be seeing you guys in two weeks. And uh, thank you so much again, everyone, for such a great hour. Great conversation. Definitely check out Alexandra and follow her. Check out her company's website. And I will see you guys in two weeks. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye.